0: Okay, So something that I've noticed uh, this is very recent. That has been like pretty uh, eye opening and shifting. But there's there's some things about it that I kind of just want to talk to you about. So when I have like something come up, like let's say a thought or a feeling, That thought or feeling that would come up used to be like, I guess it just appeared more real. Like it actually had reality to it. And now what I've noticed is that like to put it in a perspective, I'll have a thought like I want to text my girlfriend or I will, you know, want this, want that. Or I feel anxiety even, even that one. I kind of take a step back and i will just ask myself where is that where is i want to do this where is i have anxiety where is that i feel anxiety where is the evidence of it and then what i'm left with is like well it's in the thought itself there's no talk of anxiety or talk of you know wanting to text my girlfriend other than in the thought that arises, I want to text my girlfriend or I feel anxiety. So then the question becomes, okay, where is the anxiety in I feel anxiety? And it's interesting. It all breaks down. You can't, you can't actually see it. You can't see anything that gives any evidence of actual anxiety. And so what you're left with is like, it's just a it's just a concept. It's just something that over and over and over again, I think as a habit, I've yeah. learned or have, have, have learned to believe is true or real, but there's really nothing true or real about that. And so what's interesting though, is that the appearance of it continues. Hey, how's it going, Carl? the the um hello hi the appearance of anxiety or the appearance of i want to do this will show up and that's really all it is there's there's just appearances um but if there if there was any kind of difficulty i'd have to say it's just it's weird like i know that there's no anxiety i know that there's no fear I know that there's no, like, I actually want to, you know, I want to do this or that, yet the experience or the appearance of the experience still shows up. And I was curious, kind of like, what you guys might have to say to that. How have you dealt with that? How does that deepen? Is it just the same practice of just noticing, well, hey, there's no fear
1: there. There's no anxiety there.
2: Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that's like a good, good, uh, first step, but then, so once you realize that, like the thought of, uh, the thought that's like a worry, worrisome thought that creates a feeling of anxiety is just a thought and just a feeling, which are appearances, you, you, they become less real, right? In that moment of, of clear seeing. Of looking at them, yeah. Yeah. So after you see that, then you could realize that thoughts are just thoughts and feelings are just feelings, and then play around with having uh, having wholesome thoughts and wholesome feelings. So right. once you once you see once you see the 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 scope of these uh, phenomena. That's just a tiny aspect of our experience. Then you could realize how malleable they are, really are. So if, if if you just see if you just see they're just thoughts and just feelings, perfect. Now you've now you've developed a natural detachment to them, mm-hmm. out of the insight. But the thoughts and the feelings are operating based off a habitual tendency mechanism. Mm-hmm. So they're going to keep happening unless you start uh changing them. But mm. but you wouldn't be able to just change them unless you first see them for what they are like you did. So I would say um play around with them like like because they're such a such a like such a fickle uh, wispy thing that that's changes on the dime, constantly changing, like all your thoughts and all your feelings. Um, it, one thing could happen. Like, like, uh, let's say someone just told you you won $10 million right now. You just won $10 million. Instantly, every thought and every feeling you have changes dramatically into something else. But why? Because someone told you one thing, like nothing changed. Nothing in your situation. You didn't like get a. You didn't get the physical ramifications of that money. You just got the news. So I have so- I have a funny
3: story about that actually. When I I think I was like ten. I was sitting in my bedroom, and I started thinking like, you know, if there was a really cool car in my driveway right now and I couldn't see it, and someone was like, you can have a Ferrari. I noticed that I would would have gotten excited by that, but in the moment I couldn't actually see anything, you know, because I'm just sitting in my room. So I started thinking, well, what's really the difference between that car being out there right now and me owning it and not being able to see it versus, mm. you know, it, it, there's something in there uh, about how we almost get like hooked by the by the thinking of it.
4: Right. So is that like, is, is, it is that like Schrodinger's is. Ferrari?
3: <laughs> I don't know if i was thinking Ferrari, but i was thinking just like insert nice cars I car. I both have
4: a Ferrari and don't have a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I realized that if you own the Ferrari, but you couldn't see it or enjoy it right there in that experience, you know, it's really not even that different than not owning it. And then why would you be uh, excited if someone gave it to you at that moment, but you couldn't, you didn't have access to it? But even though I think a lot of people would still get the initial kind of surge of excitement.
4: I, w- I, right? would, I sure would be excited further. until I realized I couldn't afford the insurance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well guys um you know piggybacking off what you said scott the thing is is that so i played around with like the you know being wholesome and basically changing right changing phenomena changing whatever things are coming up uh to be more wholesome to feel good things like that but I, I would say like from that practice, what I began to notice was this that that these thoughts and feelings are are empty way beyond any aspect I've ever considered. Um, and so, in seeing that, there's kind of this it's not that it's point it's not that it is pointless to change thoughts or feelings into negative thoughts or feelings into more wholesome thoughts or feelings, but that it's just unnecessary, because you see you see the structure or the the empty the empty foundation on which these things are built and 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 like it's like there's no ground to them. <laughs> yeah. so in seeing that there's no ground to them, mm. then what? Because it almost seems it, it's just un I mean yeah, it's good to feel good, right, but I think. It was only as important to me to feel good um, as much as I felt like there was validity and reality to the opposite, to to those negative feelings or thoughts. But in seeing that both wholesome thoughts and feelings and negative thoughts and feelings don't really actually exist, but inside of a momentary appearance, the whole thing kind of breaks down.
2: So anytime we do a practice, right, you have to ask yourself, what is the point of this practice? And I can answer you that question. The point is happiness, right? So the point is not seeing the emptiness of phenomena <laughs> and then continuing to feel bad. That's not no. the point. Yeah. So if if you see the emptiness of phenomena and you're happy, perfect. What's the problem, right? If you're happy with unwholesome. Uh, thoughts continuing to rise and uh, unwholesome feelings continuing to rise, then you can't really say that uh, these are unwholesome because you're happy. Happiness is wholesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So honest with yourself in your heart of hearts, is this insight or is this realization happiness? Is it Dukkha nirodha or is it Dukkha? Because yeah, because that's where, that's going to be the result of your practice, whatever practice you do. Yeah, Exactly, that the goal,
5: that sometimes the Buddha would talk about enlightenment being extreme happiness, permanent happiness or whatever. But also sometimes he would talk about it just being freedom from dukkha, that no longer suffering. So um, what you're saying, Alex, is those thoughts will arise and that the effort is quick in the sense of throwing them out and no longer getting caught by them like you would before, right? Um, But that doesn't mean that's a permanent thing, that there's still the watching, there still has to be the effort, there's still the sati of making sure that there is not the, that you remember those thoughts are empty, because that thought could arise and then you could go on and you fall down its rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. and then it would be, um, the mind would be less quick in seeing that it's empty, that it might have some weight to it. So continuing to catch and continuing to practice and continuing to repeat that, so their still thought is empty that they're not important. Well, the thing is also is that it seems that there's nothing to actually
0: throw out.
2: Exactly. That's kind of
0: like my point here.
2: That's a wholesome thought. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like you're now you're thinking wholesome thoughts, and they the wholesome thoughts correlate with wholesome feelings. Mm -hmm. But yes, Alex, you can do emptiness all the way. Emptiness is a sufficient realization. So if think... you see if you see emptiness, then what emptiness is is like synonymous with freedom, openness,
1: um delocalization,
2: yeah.
1: disidentification. Happiness it's
2: just, it's... is happiness is not clinging. Mm -hmm. Not averting to anything. Mm -hmm. Emptiness, it's impossible for emptiness to cling on to anything or resist anything because it's inherently empty of those qualities. It's
0: just interesting because for, like, months I practiced, like, getting into wholesome states and into feeling good, right? Into, like, making my mind like an ally, like being my best friend. And now it's like... (laughs) There's no good or bad. There's no good in the good. There's no bad in the bad. Like none of these things actually exist. And so it's like,
6: yeah, I might. What's add, the point
0: of trying to feel good? Well, well <laughs> because... but,
6: but yeah, but that's the thing is like you have been, you know, developing these skills. You've been cultivating it, and now you're really, yeah, yeah, you're you're experiencing a lot of the fruit, right? And being able to see past, you know, the pleasure and the pain, and just to be able to enjoy the rain, you know empty no. fruit is it empty fruit <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but i think i'm i'm rather i rather enjoy the heart sutra and i think it's a very helpful pointer that emptiness is form and form is emptiness you know so that can be very helpful because i think sometimes with these practices we can get a little bit completely like disidentified or whatever so this can actually bring us back even more to like wholeness right not like just in general like one of the like you know it's it is it can help you know from one becoming aversive to the world right is to recognize no we we can come back here be very grounding with you know the body yeah so so yeah having that foundation there so we can be sturdy we can still be sturdy i mean there is the anicha there's this constant dance right of of the of this this change but also this sturdiness in it you know we can handle this wind we can handle how they blow no I've, you know that's just it we can handle them we can enjoy this dance this marvelous dance this marvelous play yeah it's quite wonderful thanks tj <laughs> so congratulations alex you know and congratulations to like all of you i mean that is just i mean the fact that You know, you're all working on It's so wonderful. It's so great, you know, and that we're all working on this. It's just such a marvelous thing. So,
4: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it
6: is. I
4: I just like Scott's new slogan emptiness all the way. Emptiness.
6: That is a good one. I
4: love that. That's a great slogan. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Emptiness all the way. Well, you can't go
2: halfway because if you go halfway, uh, you're gonna be worse off from when you started. That's what mm-hmm. the dark night of the soul is called. Oh, is yeah. when you re- you realize partially emptiness, yeah. and then you get scared of emptiness, and now you're having an existential mm. crisis. Instead of realizing emptiness of 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 self completely, and then emptiness of even emptiness, and emptiness of thinking about emptiness, and emptiness of of practicing <laughs> emptiness.
1: And emptiness of
2: everything so completely that you're just back to being an ordinary person and you're just
1: yeah. doing, yeah, you're just
2: completely That's what, um, uh, Dhammarado told me. Um, the Buddha often referred to himself as the Tathagata, and uh, the correct translation of that is thus come one. So it means you completely come into the moment completely, and just there's no, there's nothing else, there's nothing else in the moment itself as it's happening and there's no it's completely empty of any like any uh superimposed conceptual layers and
1: uh uh yeah this is it baby like it and it's so
2: it's so like it's so ordinary it's like not even a special thing anymore it's just (laughs) it's just not it's just like complete freedom from from any kind of uh, over complications of just life as it happens. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And that's emptiness. Um, But then you may realize some, you may have some experience of emptiness, like a real experience of it. And then now you can now you afterwards you construct the whole framework about emptiness, which is not emptiness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Emptiness has no it has no names and it has no forms. that's why like people they um like that's why spiritual traditions like often emphasize silence and practicing silence because silence silence is not a teaching silence is not silence is not like any sort of practice or method either mm-hmm. um but not but not like silence as in physical silence, like absence of sound, but silence as in uh, metaphysical silence, as an absence of perceptions. And uh, absence of any perceptions at all is, um, is the classical um, experience uh, people generally call enlightenment, which is, the emptiness of all, of all name and form, and all like, all karmas, all, all, all locations, all self, um, all like knowledge of existing as a separate person, or or a separate soul, or do you want to call it? And then, um, that's like the undeniable truth of reality um and then like there's like um no problems like everything like what (laughs) there's nothing to do and nowhere to go because everything everything that is done and everywhere you go is ultimately the same and comes from the same place and there's no escaping it
1: and that's emptiness pretty cool pretty cool Mo, well, how is your practice? It's going, it's going great. Yeah. Um,
3: I, I followed Domerado. I never emailed or I never Skyped with him, but I followed him years ago. And then um, I just started rewatching some of his uh, videos a couple weeks ago. And uh, just been, you know, kind of leaning the practice more in the direction of, um, you know, just gladdening the mind the the getting some more wholesome thoughts in there and it's been it's been great i've enjoyed it a lot um yeah definitely seemed you know that that and the emphasis of the sangha definitely seems like something that's missing from a lot of the westerny dharma stuff you know this intense like meditation olympics which i'm sure many of us have been into uh and i love meditating i've done tons of it but uh yeah, it definitely seems like, you know, not having the sangha element and and just, you know, some of the other things that he talks about, you know, it just seems so obvious once you once you start paying attention to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, just the fact that, you know, you guys seem to get together or I don't know if you if everyone comes to all the sangha meetings, but there's, you know, there's like a few a week and people are communicating with Del Marado you know, on top of that. I mean, That makes total sense to me because this idea of like meeting with a teacher like once a week or like once a month it's not enough for the like socialness of the human brain to like really come online and yeah just from hearing him talk about that um i don't think i was very sensitive to that you know three or four years ago and uh now i'm much more uh at least open to the benefits of it it seems yeah (laughs) much more self-evident
5: good to have you here so there's excited. also a Discord um, where people uh, sometimes join the voice chat, and that's more of an impromptu thing. But yeah, there are three a week uh, that are in the YouTube description. Very cool. Where we meet on Skype. Yeah. It seems like the average meditator, the average way of approaching it is usually they pick up a book, and they look in that book alone, they. Um, The way of reading a book is always you're using your old experiences to try and understand it. Um, But what's communicating here um, through like a medium of video or voice call that um, there's so much more information that's being communicated compared to in a book. Where a book, you're using your past experiences and um, often those are very competition related related with school. How do I get the best at this? We want to skip to the end of the book to make sure we're doing the best practices. Um, but, uh, and then the student will go on Reddit and he'll compare compare his experiences with other students who are like, how good am I at this? Oh, I'm better than this guy. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> what really needs to be done is very simple that it's not about skipping to the end of the book that what can be said, what is the practice is very simple. It could be said in three words and Duka Duka Naroda, four words, don't worry, be happy. So we don't need a whole book. all we need is that simple line, that simple practice repeated over and over and over again
1: yeah I
5: find,
4: you I also find need go ahead, Rick. I just said, I just find like the whole uh, the whole urge of like meditation competition is so hilarious and absurd. <laughs> it's like I will out peaceful you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
1: okay.
4: I will I will. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's just, you can't even yeah. conceptualize where the competition would even lie, and yet people still somehow try and you know find a rank and try and upgrade themselves and things. It's like, oh my goodness, really? This is the one activity? Yeah. It's nearly impossible to even think about. It's, it's yet yet still people push against that wall, and it's. I just find it hysterical.
6: Yeah. I would say, yeah, Rick. Like, it's like conceit is uh, one heck of a little stinker you know in terms of like I, I i thinking about them in terms of like the sankara can be really helpful as well in terms of hey nothing personal kid this is just some like you know conditionings going on hey cool you can spot them and by spotting them we're starting to like unravel this so if the thought of conceit comes up again nothing personal kid this is just part of the hey cool we spotted it nice right and then we can kind of keep on rolling along you know but that's sort of the, the the kind of cool thing with that but yeah I see I see what you're saying it's hilarious though that whole notion it's that's absurd. why it's, yeah. it's yeah, just it,
4: absurd to think that 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 yeah. would be an, an avenue <laughs> uh, under which to you know like the like the like the meditation Olympics you know they've got like judges wandering around seeing who twitched and who jerked you know who could remain the stillest the longest and think I mean of course that's all fake but think Is that what some people conceive of when they're thinking about this leveling? I don't know. It's funny.
3: Well, I wonder, because it seems like the Western mind kind of views, uh, you know, if you you view the awakening as some kind of skill set, it's like, well, I got to just, like, do so much practice, do so much practice, and this will somehow, like, flip things over. But in my experience, like, over the past 10 years, most of the biggest insights happen through conversations with people, not through sitting on the cushion for hours and hours even though it, that's been useful but yeah i i studied zen for a long time and virtually everything that's happened has happened through a conversation it's through someone kind of poking at something and i i mm-hmm. noticed that with don Morado, like especially because i I've, I've mostly watched videos of him and alex talking i thought it'd be nice like let's just watch one stream of 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 conversations and see how someone kind of is developing so uh but he has that kind of flavor that zen flavor of that like you know at some point he's just kidding around and fucking around with people and like there was this video i think alex i think you just lost your shit, and you wanted like some specific technical you like i want the technical details of meditation instruction and he he was he wouldn't give you like anything else in that conversation and then the funniest thing though the very next video like the from what i saw the start of the conversation he was like super Technically, uh, technical detail oriented. So it was like when you wanted it, he was just like no. And then it was like the next video, was, he, was, he was like so specific stuff. And that's the kind of shit that I remember happening to me when I would when I would talk to the, the Zen master in Vancouver. Here. Yeah, it, it it yeah, it's quite a mind trip actually. It's it's fun though.
4: Alex, <laughs> Alex, you're like you you have your own sub channel on the you yeah. channel. You're your own sub channel. <laughs>
0: Man, I got so frustrated with him so many times. I was just like, Would you just
3: listen to me there was there's one video where you like where you really kind of lost it. That was the, I know. That was the, I watched that one this morning. Was, I was actually like eating popcorn, like, I was watching popcorn.
4: Wow, enjoy the <laughs> show, everybody. <laughs>
3: This is, this is crazy it's really insane like how uh how it just unfolds it's... yeah And you know i appreciate you like being open to it being recorded because i think it's useful mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. people to watch you know just absolutely
4: so, like, yeah props for that yeah absolutely yeah you
3: no know, one Thanks, thing i man. wonder is like a lot of meditators will you know watch like tons of youtube videos or you know all kinds of stuff like that and I, i'm thinking of that more as like um you know if someone doesn't have a sangha It almost makes sense that they would like have some kind of inclination to you know watch dialogues about stuff like this but um yeah it's obviously not the same as having actual people to talk to you you miss like
1: you know the ability to share and 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 hear feedback on your own comments yeah the only way
2: dialogue yeah the only way this stuff really can be taught is in a live dialogue because the teaching is not a methodology, really. It's the teaching is the spontaneous experience of it. And uh, um, talks are spontaneous. You don't know what's going to come up. Like you don't know what you're gonna talk about beforehand. There's nothing, there's no no speech prepared. There's no formula of what to say. So like everything is completely, um, the teacher teaches oh. teaches from the experience of it, which is why it's so effective.
4: Speech, speak for yourself, Scott.
2: <laughs> <Right>.
4: Continue. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know what you meant by that, but uh... I was pre- I was
4: that was my prepared speech.
2: Those are his cue cards. <laughs> Those oh, were my yeah. cue cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. like that's correct, Scott.
2: Please oh, that's continue. great.
4: Yeah, yeah, sorry.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's probably not gonna be how you prepared it, even when you say it. Um, um, But yeah, yeah, there is a path and there is a method and there is a science to it, which is why the domino is so effective because it can be repeated, but it works way better if a teacher is giving you the practice, because you can get like it's the same way that you learn math. Like you watch the teacher do the math problem in real time. And then you can see their thinking and their step-by-step process. Like when Don is teaching you jhana, he's going through the jhana that he's talking about. <laughs> so it can kind of bring you into that jhana. So you watch, the exa- you watch them do it, and then they tell you how to do it. And then you practice on your own um, with the examples, but you learned in real time with the teacher, like they walked you through it. And then once you practice on your own, you may have some answers, and then you can come check your answers with the teacher again.
1: And they'll be like, oh, no, you
2: this and this. Yeah, here here's, you didn't think about this, or like, no, talk. here's another way to think about it, or or, uh, or they'll they'll start to, like, point out, like, where you're messing up. And then you go and practice again, and you bring your answers, and then if you have the right answer, they're going to tell you, yeah, you got the right answer. So this is how the interaction with the te- teacher works in the same way like um, eventually you become your own mathematician. And you could start uh, making your own, making your own theorems and your own things. Uh, what Were you gonna say DJ, were you gonna say something?
6: Oh no, before I, I think I just brought up because um... Like, how how they're kind of, like, sometimes a little bit improvised, you know, almost like a jazz music or something, right, when people come up with Dhamma Talks. Like, they kind of stick to a theme. Like, that's a Mm -hmm. very cool thing. But because the Dhamma is so, you know, um, inter, like, you know, arising and all that stuff, it just all works together. So, like, one piece will link to this other piece to this other piece, and it all just comes back to, like, this beautiful whole. So that's, like, what's so nice about, like, the Dhamma Talks. Is that, yeah, and, and again, Domerato is really just, you know, uh, miraculous at being able to have that skill of just being able to just throw it out and come up with the whole talk like just like that, you know, he has experience, you know, and that's the nice thing, right? It's about, he does have the experience, you know, and that you you, could, you can hear it for sure, you know, so yeah.
5: Buddha Dasa and Dom Murato sometimes bring this up, um, use the word of the natural method <laughs> versus the organized method that the natural method is where the student is asking questions and the teacher hears those questions. Here's the way they ask them and answers. Um, depending on how the question is asked, what the question was, and, um, really getting to that student specific problems. Um, but the wider an audience you get, the less tailored, the less natural it gets and the more organized it can be. So if you're teaching to a mass audience, you'd likely be using a curriculum, because you can't consult every student to see where they're at. So um, that's one way of thinking. it is the natural method where yeah. this the teacher is working with the student and bringing up the point of friendship where they're just two friends here chatting compared to the organized method where it's a teacher teaching a curriculum, and first you got to do a, then B, then C.
6: Yeah, so so you think, yeah, Parker, that is like kind of one of the nice um uh benefits of yeah doing it in this sort of approach where it's very much questions and you know answer kind of like and uh, that can spawn a lot of creativity as well right um in terms of the like asking a question you know that can bring up a whole talk within its you know self so it's a wonderful gift i think that's something to also yeah remember but um but yeah what what do you think about that um one think thing that what? comes to
5: mind is when uh, students are listening to a youtube video compared to talking one-to-one is sometimes there will be a doubt that comes to mind or a specific wording that they remember that doesn't match with the teacher's wording um and they'll continue to dwell on that doubt continue to dwell on that wording and instead of dropping it like that that would be correct practice because that doubt is a hindrance they're feeling bad because of it um Another way of thinking about the talks is sort of a hypnotic induction, induction, that the teacher (laughs) teacher's job is to get the student into first jhana and throw out any hindrances for them. Right. They have these hindrances. They have these questions that are making them feel bad, making them feel stressed. They have these doubts. And the teacher's job is to throw out those doubts and get them to a very satisfied state and then teach them how to do it themselves. And the videos are less skilled at doing that. Uh, so I haven't
3: talked to Don Morato about this, but from what I've seen so far, the way he describes, you know, being first jhana is a lot different than uh, <laughs> some of the other stuff you read. But uh, I'm sorry, I, I I can't see everyone's names. I haven't learned everyone's names yet. But you just mentioned, like, you know, the student and the teacher basically getting into a flow state or or like a jhana while they're having a conversation. And to me, that makes total sense to describe it like that, rather than thinking like first jhana has to be this very specific, like, eight-hour like explosion experience or something like that which is often mm. marketed as instead of just being like a state of mind that's very joyful and, and pleasurable and and free of hindrances
2: yeah there's like uh five there's like five jhana factors and uh you know i'm i'm not one of them scholars so uh i don't really know what they are but, uh, but like it, the important part is that first John is, is just when you're empty of any h- hindrances, the mm-hmm. mind is empty. There's still thinking going on, yeah. but the, the thinking is completely empty of any craving or aversion. Otherwise, like otherwise known as just having a good time. <laughs> enjoying yourself right like there's like first genre is not a magical experience it's something yeah. that everyone has been in at one time or another have you ever just been uh like i don't know playing video games with a group of friends or like just hanging out with your buddies and you're just completely satisfied in that moment like there's nothing else that like you you don't want to be anywhere else you're not wanting anything you just feel completely fulfilled yeah, uh, that's first jhana, like, is, you don't have to be like, in a cave, like, with your eyes shut and like, completely, like, like, uh, completely escape from the world.
1: Like, <laughs> that,
2: <laughs> that's not yeah. necessarily how it works. Again, like, I would say, um, first jhana could be definitely on your own with your eyes closed while meditating, but not necessarily. Um, I would say second john, like once you get into the later genres, like, then it starts to be more. um, Yeah, like there's still possible to be to be done in the midst of other people. But um, once the discursive thinking uh, goes away, um, then it's it's harder to like, you know, hold the conversation per se. (laughs) So, (laughs) so like, then like, it's more like, you might imagine, like, Uh, you you don't necessarily have to be sitting down meditating but you're you're definitely not going to be um, having any discursive thought uh, from second jhana onwards and then again like these these other jhanas like you can slip in and out of them from first jhana so you can just be in first jhana slip into second third and even fourth and then go back to first jhana where it's not like it's not like a graduation where you spend a certain amount of time in first and then you get to second, spend a certain amount of time in second and get to third and spend a certain amount of time there and then graduate to the next one. You can go straight into, you can be in first John and go straight into fourth or be in first John and go straight into third or straight into second and only for a moment and then come back into first. So the important part is that you're empty, empty of hindrances, a.k.a. dukkha um so then all the jhanas are your playground like you can you can access anyone but they're not like one is better than than the other they're just different like different levels and different skills of it different levels of being satisfied um but 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 what you really want is the satisfaction it doesn't really the jhanas are just like a byproduct of being satisfied and then um Um, yeah, and each each jhana, like each 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 jhana and progression of jhana, is a further um, a fir- like a cessation of something. So, um, going into first jhana is the cessation of hindrances. Going into second jhana is the cessation of the thinking and examining thoughts. Well, that would be is, the uh,
5: first. Would be the there's no thought anymore in the first jhana,
1: or no um,
5: verbal. It's just satisfaction when you go into the second, right? I, maybe I'm, uh, maybe we're talking about the same thing, just using different.
2: No, yeah, that's what I said. I said um, going into the first jhana is. Uh,
1: uh, exactly. cessation exactly. Yes. Of hindrances.
2: Yes. I just going misunderstood. The, yeah, going into the second jhana is the cessation of the thinking and examining thought. The I forgot what the tre- the. Poly word for it is the something. The Taka
5: para something like that. Yeah,
2: yeah, something like that. And then, uh, uh, so the second jhana is just the good, the the pt and sukha. Whereas first jhana is you're going to be in a wholesome state of mind, thinking wholesome thoughts, uh, examining maybe neutral <laughs> thoughts, like just looking at what's going on, like oh, like looking at the breath, like experiencing the body and its totality, experiencing the moment, the presence of this moment, but you're, you're still thinking about it uh, just without any cr- sort of craving or aversion. And then j- just like being in that wholesome state produces good feelings and joy, which is uh, Pt and Sukha. And then uh, the cessation of the thinking and exa- the Pt and Sukha build and become... Uh, become so prominent in your uh, direct experience that the thinking, examining thought passes away, or uh, there's a cessation of that. And then that second jhana is when you're just experiencing joy and uh, bliss of the body or relaxation of the body. So joy and relaxation. Um, And then third jhana is the cessation of the of the joy. So then now they're just, just the bliss and relaxation of the body is third jhana. So there's the uplifted joy that can can be uh, very energizing, very exhilar- exhilarating. At the same time, the body is relaxed. Um, uh, it, it can all it can actually be like an ecstasy experience in second jhana. Like the mi- the the mind is so overwhelmed by how good you're feeling that you're just feeling good. Um, and then. And then, uh, the cessation of the uplifted joy goes into just the bliss and just the good feeling and just the relaxation of the body. It's like a it's like an even more profound, profound like uh, stilling um, is is third jhana. And then one step further is the cessation of even the feelings, even the bliss, of the body. That goes away too and then what you're left is just the pure serenity of the moment This is the fourth jhana just like stillness silence there's just that you're still experiencing a body otherwise <laughs> you'd be in the formless jhanas but you're, you're experiencing just like the breath in it's complete into intimacy of the moment and you're experiencing there's no feelings like there's no not even pleasurable feelings so all that's all there is is like peace and stillness Things are happening, perceptions are happening, but there's no like, again, obviously there's no hindrances because you're in jhana, but even the feelings of feeling good has ceased. And that's just the, like a good way to think about it is you, we've all been looking off into the distance and like a really expansive view before. And that moment of just looking off into a beautiful, broad view and just taking it all in and just, it's just happening to you. And there's no, there's just this utter serenity, this utter at rest, this collectedness this a complete collectedness and a restfulness is fourth jhana. And then, uh, to go into the, to go into the formless jhanas, you, you start playing with the borders of your experience. So you 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 go into the experience of the body without it, there, there's like no feelings anymore. There's just there's just sensations with no feelings around them, and you could start to see the emptiness of those sensations of the body and the borderlessness. And then uh, you can start to go into the formless jhanas, or like many people find find themselves experiencing formless jhanas, maybe on a breakthrough psychedelic experience or something like that Um, but they don't know how they got there whereas if you like start to play around with this practice of jhana like you can start to do that intentionally but the formless, i feel like the formless jhanas are like the dlc like that's like the expansion pack the first the force the first four like you only really need the first four
1: um
2: because uh the first four are like the important part is that you're satisfied like you don't need to like become like a jhana, like a connoisseur or like a jhana, like um expert junkie
5: junkie yeah <laughs>
2: not necessarily a junkie but like a, a virtuoso like you don't need to become a jhana virtuoso <laughs> you just need to like be satisfied this uh,
5: that's has yeah that we don't even need the four but we just need the one factor that you were talking about earlier of satisfaction and freedom from hindrances right
2: that's the important part. Um, and then, and then that, like that affects you, that changes your habits and that changes how you're wired. The more time you spend being satisfied, you would start to viscerally change your experience, your default experience of reality, because you are, you are feeling good and you are feeling satisfied. And, uh, there's like, there's no end to that like you, it just gets better and better it like ages like fine wine and then just remembering <laughs> to come back to that because you're going to come out back out of the jhana and you're going to be you're going to cling to the jhana and you're going to be like ooh this is good this is what i want and that wanting is a hindrance and then uh, now you're out of jhana so it becomes you you become uh, you become like well equated. With all the tricks of the mind um, that uh, you could call like Mara, like like once you start to develop some success in meditation, there's going to be distractions and hindrances that are like attacking you because like it's like Mara trying to keep you in like the cycle of it, or like that's like the personification of it, of what these hindrances and distractions are. It's like it's like a demon that just like it recognizes that you're a good meditator. And it's going to like fight back even harder. So then you you just practice and you develop like uh you develop like a, a flexible like you get your sea legs like you 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 start to be able to like balance and like play with these things. So you 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 like been there and done that and you're like oh there's a distraction there's a hindrance. Um like you know not to to pull on that thread like you know not to go down that road and then when you go down that road you quickly wake up out of it as soon as you can and realize oh i was going down that road and then come back into satisfaction what's up Mara? and then yeah.
1: yeah
4: they're like they're like boss fights right
1: <laughs> yeah you get like better
4: you go to a new new level yeah. and there's a boss fight up there you get good at that
2: Yeah, it's like Dragon Ball Z. So like you transcended your limits and like transcended the hindrances and you beat like the first villain, but then there's always gonna be a bigger villain. And then what are you gonna do? You're gonna, you have to transcend your limits again Um, until like like, uh, you become like, like uh, the villains, it's not like Dragon Ball Z because like in Dragon Ball Z, there's always gonna be, (laughs) that's how they keep the story going.
1: (laughs) there's always
2: going to be another <laughs> higher villain but uh actually uh jhana is like is easier the more you, the more you do it like like uh because you start to um, like like alex says even the distractions and even the the hindrances start to become like less of a big thing or less of a big deal because you see how easily they can be changed and go away so, like, you're less likely to resist them um, so you can, like, so you can remove them or, like, let go of them quicker. Because, like, clinging and, like, craving and aversion is strengthened because we feed into it and we focus on it. But, like, when you see, like, it's just a tiny aspect of your experience that can be removed and you start to um, open up, open up the the awareness to everything that's going on in this moment, rather than focusing in on an unwholesome thought or focusing in on an unwholesome feeling, you open up to the moment and you see the the scale, the real scale of your inner thoughts and feelings, which is just tiny wispy things. And then they, they can evaporate instantly because like there's this much bigger um, experience. The totality of your experiences is, is panoramic. It's like, it's uh it's integrated, it's like it's out and about, it's like above and around. And when you spend time being above and around, that's when you are get into wholesome state because you're not projecting into the past or the future, you're experiencing reality happening right
1: now. Neither here nor there. Right. Yeah, wonderful said. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I, I
4: see those little thoughts as bubbles that just pop. Right? And new ones come up and they just all pop. Right. They pop. There's there's no substance to them at all. They're just some right. soap and water. Like a sea foam. And yeah. most of it's empty, you know.
5: All the mm-hmm. way.
1: <laughs> right. All the way.
5: Yeah, it's empty as long as you can remember it's empty.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm exactly unless you start filling it with things attaching importance to it then it becomes this solid thing you have to like really mm-hmm. use and the effort importance, to get out yeah
5: and the reality that alex was talking about is th- these are my thoughts <clears throat> that there is a thinker here thinking these thoughts neither mine but really they're just thoughts they arise and pass away that they they're real but they're not mine they're Dasa would use the word void that they're void of any self and when we can see that, that. There is no self there. Self is the, you could say it's the bucket for suffering. This self, all suffering happens because we create a self. And there's no more problems. That all the problems in the world have to do with I, me, or mine. And if we can let go of that, there are no more problems. That we're above uh, pain and pleasure or happiness and dissatisfaction. We're just doing our duty to the Dhamma. We're just... Uh, living by the law of nature, the way things are that we see we finally see how they are now. It's not something special or grandiose or getting to a certain level. It's just we were ignorant, and now we're becoming not ignorant. We're not be, we're becoming not foolish anymore that we didn't know how the mind worked before, and now we know how the mind works. so we live in a way that's in accordance with that that's wise with that. That's not wanting things we don't have because that makes us suffer.
2: There's like, uh, the cool thing about no self is that there's no self that becomes wise or there's no self that only a self is ignorant. So like, uh, again, like most people experience negative emotions because of some sort of, um, self referential, like some guilt or like some shame or like, uh, or just it like all yeah like like parker said all negative emotions are centered around um yourself as like as like in a person you could say the absolute core of it
5: is the self-preservation instinct of i don't want to die and all right, of
2: it right. like relating to that is accepted. fear yeah like i'd need to be accepted by um others in order to survive like that is like the human biological mechanism of it and uh it's a natural mechanism. But um, like, realizing that it's a mechanism, it's like, it's like a product of biological drives. Again, just seeing that, like seeing the truth of that is um, how you detach yourself from it. Because anxiety is just like a fight or flight response. And then The fight or flight response is produced by conceived dangers, like either something bad happened to you or you project that something will bad happen to you. And then thinking about something bad that happened to you in the past will create the, the stimulus for the fight or flight response or imagining that something bad will happen in the future creates the same response where these dangers don't actually exist in the reality of the moment. Like the reality of the moment is you're just sitting here in this room breathing, and there's like absolutely zero danger, like there's no reason to like feel worried or like scared about anything so like um you're 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 coming into into the just the fact of the moment is that there's nothing to worry about, and there's like nothing nothing here that to do, and there's like uh. There's like there's no problems there like there's never a problem in the moment it's only through um, through the mental faculty that that it's used to solve practical problems that becomes um an overactive um becomes a dictator of your life like starts to dictate how you feel rather than being a servant used to solve practical issues it creates existential issues and 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 uh, so being able to put on put on the identity of personhood and separate individuality and take it off when you don't need it is the skill it's not that like oh now you're permanently never going to have a self or like be a Parker or be uh, DJ or be Carl. No, but you can put on being Carl for practical purposes and then take it (laughs) off when you don't need it. And then uh, you realize that most of your life you don't need it. You only need it at small moments throughout the day. I only need to be Scott when I need to do something. And then, like, for most people's lives are spent not doing anything. And that's where you, that's where if you're not occupied with something, the untrained mind begins to ruminate, begins to project, begins to bring stuff up from the past for no for no good reason, for no practical purpose. Like I need to bring up myself and bring up the future. If I need to drive somewhere to get to work or um fix my car, or, like go to the grocery store. In that moment I need to do it. It's when I need to use it. That's the but, funny thing about flow states though is
3: like when you're when you're so engrossed in what you're doing and you have skill at it and it's matched and all that, the self-referencing just drops away because it's not even necessary for doing a task. Like the self-referencing, uh, that's, it's so interesting that um, yeah, that self-referencing drops away when it's not needed. Uh, but but I guess there's a difference between knowing about that and like you know because I I'm a music teacher I have music students that get into flow states when they're playing and they they might not be aware they they can kind of report like there was no self in that experience but they're not aware that that experience could just happen you know outside of the guitar practice or outside whatever practice
2: um right so it's a natural experience it's not um it's not like a foreign meditative attainment like we all have been engrossed (laughs) into so completely into either playing a music or washing the dishes or what is i think a good
3: point because when it's i think sometimes you know in whether in like magical spiritual traditions or even like western dharma that's more like pragmatic but they still make those states of mind into these like elusive things that you have to chase rather than it just being more of a mundane thing that can happen not mundane in terms of like not enjoying it but just mundane in
2: terms of like
3: this can just happen doesn't have to be like a you know shooting
2: star Right, it's a realistic, natural. Yes, yeah, normal thing. Yeah, to to people. It's not some sort of like unattainable thing. Like, um, that's the problem with most Buddhism, is they like deify the Buddha as some sort of unattainable, unattainable thing, instead of realizing that um, the so real the teaching. Road... The
3: started saying like, "Kill the Buddha," or "Kill," you know, kill yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: which I think it is, is a
3: yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, because the real teaching of the Buddha is come and see for yourself, not be, make a religion out of me. No, here's what to do, and come and see the fruit of it for yourself. And it's surprisingly repeatable, and uh, it's uh, it's very doable. And that's that's what that's the important part of any beginning meditators is developing the attitude. After some success, I can actually do this. Like this is something I can realistically do, and that confidence is like a self efficacy that pulls you out of the destructive um, this destructive capacity of the mind to um, to to create a self that's like not good enough and uh or. Or create a self that needs to be defended or or aggrandized and like needs to be better than other people and needs to compete, and then all that know, all that junk just actually ends up making you miserable instead of just realizing like the bare the simplicity of the practice and doing it over and over and over and over again, and then realizing that, <laughs> that it, it's it's so simple that you just need to keep doing it and 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 the results speak for themselves. Like, you know, as I say, the proof is in the pudding. Like the the proof is the proof of Jhana is in the experience of Jhana. It's not something you read about. It's not something something you need to believe. (laughs) It's like an actual experience. It's like and then people make it some sort of magical belief system. All of these teachings and then (laughs) They're never going to be able to experience it. They're going to be a Buddhist for the rest of their lives, but never be a Buddha.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that in
5: fact, the Buddha, all he was was just a homeless person that learned how to talk himself into feeling good (laughs) (laughs) and learned how to teach it very well. And we make it into some supernatural figure but really he just had great circumstances and learned how to talk himself into feeling good and taught that to other people. But it became a religion when the people that were learning it brought their magical beliefs in and didn't let go of them, of rebirths and reincarnations and karmas and commas and whatever it is. And Dom um, D- Rada always cites the time of um, Ashok or Ashoka. Ah- he was a king in the 300th century BCE where... Um, Essentially, he endorsed Buddhism and allowed anyone to become a monk. And the product of that was a whole lot of people becoming monks, not enough teachers to teach them the actual teachings. So there was a lot of magical thinking. And then eventually, the people who joined, who were of magical thinking, who didn't have a teacher to teach them, eventually became teachers, and they started teaching that magical stuff to their students. And then it became not homeless people, just being happy and satisfied and being lazy but a religion but buddhism
1: yeah and
2: the cool thing is like like a bunch of supernatural quote-unquote supernatural stuff can happen on the path you can have mystical experiences and you can have uh all these i don't know maybe like some past life experiences some like weird like stuff maybe like some uh, kundalini awakenings or like other sort of like um like i don't know magical powers maybe like some people might experience like clairvoyance like they could tell what's going to happen before it happens in like brief moments but the important part is not all these like crazy things that you can experience the important part is the satisfaction it's like chasing after these sorts of uh things is just like anything chasing after and wanting anything else, like (laughs) money, sex, um, sensual pleasures, uh, ultimately, (laughs) even if you get it, it's not going to make you happy. So the point, uh, of emphasis in, uh, this song going with Tamarado is, uh, coming into satisfaction, which is, there's nothing magical about it. There's nothing like extraordinary about it and if extraordinary stuff happens then great you can be satisfied with that too and uh not cling on to it
3: yeah that's and what i found create... the, from watching yeah. like dhammarata's talks and and just some of the talks on the sangha uh, what you said seems like is what is focused on the the, the satisfaction and the dukkha because a lot of the the western like pragmatic dharma movement is really like hell bent on the you know some kind of no self awakening like you got to you got to refine through meditation enough to see no self. And then that's going to cause like a flip that will make you satisfied rather than training the satisfaction itself and, and Mm -hmm. still, you know, still exploring the other teachings that are there in Buddhism, the no self and and impermanence. But, uh, yeah, the Western tradition seems to put like, like almost like a bullseye on the no self part of it and, and leaves a lot of the other stuff aside, like what we're talking about, like the Sangha, the satisfaction, and the friendliness, you know, just the cultivation of that
5: um yeah the whole path can be summed up into the one word friendship
3: there's this uh i I go to the gym every day and there's this guy that goes there he's he's actually my old taekwondo teacher which is just like a mind like mess because like i hadn't seen him in like 20 years and then i started going to the gym and I, i started seeing him again but it's funny you know i've been watching him over the past like six months at this gym he's like the friendliest guy in the world everyone that he knows everyone in the gym everyone like he's basically there just to make friends with people and like you know fist pump them every time someone walks in and like you know just watching domerota's talks i was like this guy's really doing it you know like he's trying to like have mm-hmm. a good time and it like changes yeah. the gym like totally changes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like when he's in there yeah. the vibe <laughs> of the gym is like next level and you know it's just so friendly and peaceful like you walk in there and you feel more secure just, like, you you can't even control it. You're just, like, this guy, he's going to come up and, like, make me smile. Like, I can't even stop this shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, that's that's the Dhamma. Like, that's what it means to practice the dharma. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. that's
2: it. Like, it's real. It's life. It's, like, real life. It's real life, like, making... It's real life being happy. It's real life being satisfied. It's real life uh, keeping track of uh, how many times you get angry, how many times you get... <laughs> butthurt at things that happen. And like, that's where the real practice is, is it when you experience life and then uh, 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 experiencing it with while being satisfied more and more. And then uh, uh, honestly reflecting and look looking on yourself. Um, okay, bye DJ. Honestly reflecting, looking at yourself, oh, I, I I was getting angry in this situation I was reacting and not judging yourself for that, but like seeing it and then making an uh, an effort to change it and then uh and then y- you can uh you can see you can see how how good like how how important the path is in every aspect of your life in your relationships.
1: At the gym,
2: uh, anywhere, because um, that's what life is about. Life is about um, the happiness of the moment and and enjoying other people and and having a- authentic interactions and like and the beauty of that. And then if we if we just stop getting in our own way and stop spreading our mental proliferation and bullshit around everything,
1: <laughs> you realize like
2: you life is good. Like there's like there's beauty everywhere and like it's all good and there's nothing to worry about. And, uh, 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 so, so instead of, um, uh, constructing all these problems that aren't there just to breathe, just to be in this moment, just to be in your senses. And then when, when you need to think, you think, and when you need to process, you process. And it all just happens
1: on, it o- on its own, and the grass grows by itself. All right, fellas. Well, I think I need I, I need to start getting ready for work.
2: It was a pleasure well, talking well, with well, y'all. I mean,
5: it's yeah, been can... really great, guys.
2: <laughs> yeah, welcome, welcome aboard, man. It's good seeing you. Yeah, we'll see you again. Yeah, it's
5: welcome. It was
1: good to see you. See you guys. You guys have a great day. Yes, have a good one. Take care.